This is Strange Assembly episode 238, Gen Con 2018 preview. I'm Chris Stevenson, and here with me today is Jay Earl. Hello. And this is Strange Assembly, your tabletop gaming podcast. You can find us on the web at www.strangeassembly.com. You can subscribe to the podcast there in the Apple Podcast app or in the Google Play Music Store. We always appreciate it if you can leave a rating or review at those locations because it can help people find the show. You can also find us on Twitter where we are at Strange Assembly or Facebook.com slash Strange Assembly. As you could probably guess from the title of this episode, we are here to look ahead a little bit to Gen Con, thus completing our usual tri- trifecta of looking ahead to Gen Con, recording at Gen Con, and then talking about what we did at Gen Con. <laughs> yep. So Gen Con, for me this year, I don't know what, I don't know what your theme for, for Gen Con is going to be this year, but last year... Gen Con was like the return of Legend of the Five Rings. Yep. And this year, I think it's fair to say that Gen Con is going to be role-playing games and especially new versions of role-playing games that are awesome. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> what do you think your vibe is going to be for Gen Con this year? Well, so I'm really more, it's by day, each day. So like... My Thursday is very tournament-heavy. Friday, I will be going into the True Dungeon a lot. Saturday, I've got a couple things, but I mostly kept free to wander the Exhibitor's Hall. And then Saturday is Arts and Crafts. Or, sorry, Sunday is Arts and Crafts. Uh, are you going up to the, the miniature painting area? or? So I will probably do that. Uh, part of it is, so this will be the... Th- third year that my girlfriend is coming with me and so she's you know i go to tournaments she's looking for things she wants and now she's starting to talk me into them so it's like one of the things is making chain mail for teddy bears make your own dice bag out of stuff so that's our that type of arts and craftsy type things yes i have to admit i i'm aware that those are on the schedule and i never got <laughs> <to> one <laughs> <sighs> <laughs> no. <laughs> Do they have more on that? More of that sort of thing on Sunday because Sunday is also positioned as family fun day or is that just like it's Sunday so nobody schedules major stuff on Sunday so that's the good day to go do the thing you can do any day and it doesn't matter which day you do it. I mean at least for me that's more the case. Yeah, that True Dungeon is, is the only thing they've got on Sunday is the Riddle Reveal. I'm not going to be playing any any tournaments on Sunday because I'm not that good at any of these games. So, yeah, go do stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, so su- Sunday morning is exclusively a, uh, like, yeah, I'm in the finals kind of thing. If that. Yeah. If that. Yeah. So my officially scheduled for the dealer hall time is is, like, really first thing Thursday morning. That's kind of it for these. Now, usually there's there are a variety of other times when I get the chance to walk around, but I, I, I tend to fill up around my events with interview things. So yeah, I kind of catch what I, I can. But yeah, there is 
there is something nice about being able to just walk from one end of the exhibit hall to the other and just go down each of those lines. But Gen Con is so big that that is a real, you really got to like have a chunk of time to do that. Yeah. Yeah, but no, it definitely is is very cool to just walk and see all these little booths that you've you've never heard of, but they've put out a game and I mean, yeah, I've I've found so many cool things just wandering around and the art stuff I love. I have learned I have to give myself an art budget if for no other reason than I'm out of wall space that I'm allowed to hang art on. <laughs> Yeah, the whole artist's alley thing. There's a whole yeah. bunch of stuff there. Yeah. My general gaming activities rather than interview, I'm man, I am I'm doing Pathfinder interactives for sure. I believe I will be able to do the Starfinder interactive. I did not actually get a ticket, but that is big enough that generics should get to slide into that. A game with the new vampire a game of Bluebeard's Bride. That and Monster Hearts 2 were kind of two little small, smaller press RPGs I was hoping to to get to play there. Like, there's like, man, Monster Hearts 2 had like two sessions. I didn't get one of those either. The new Cowboy Bebop game, I've set time aside to play that because I still believe that is the greatest anime of all time. And hopefully that will translate <laughs> into the game. <laughs> yes. Well, I mean, like, look, let, let's be honest. Putting on a game a property that I love is definitely a way to get me to pay attention to a game. But that does not yes. mean that every game that is based on a, on a property no. that's great ends up being a great game, such as life. Yeah, no, if anything, I would say probably a good 80 to 90% of the time, the better the license is, the worse the game mechanics are because they don't have to care, they're still going to sell their game. I do not think that is true like it used to be. I, I, It absolutely used to be the case that almost any game with a license, I mean, right, 80 to 90%, that's, you know, 4 out of 5, 9 out of 10, yeah. that almost all those games, they, they were like garbagey mass market stuff that we did that. But board games have become big enough and licensing stuff has become big enough that there have been, I, I think, a lot of licensed games that have done really well mechanically. You're right that there are some that slide a little bit. Like I have this really Mm -hmm. weird relationship with Firefly, the game. And like one, yes, there have been some bad Firefly games, but the Gale Force 9, Firefly, the game, that is not a bad game. It's not a great game mechanically, but yeah, it's, it's Firefly and it, and it feels really good. And and you're like, oh, but it's gonna take so long. But I mean, but that that's like an ambivalent one. But how much great, say, Star Wars stuff has Fantasy Flight put out? Okay, that's true. I guess I should revise my estimate on the back of Fantasy Flight Star Wars games alone. <laughs> There's so many of them. There are, and and even even them, not not all of them are are great, but they're. They yeah. do a pretty well thing. Like Star Star Wars Rebellion is extremely well regarded. I enjoyed Star Wars the card game, although that has now gone the way of the dodo. You're right that it happens that there are licensed games that are duds, but I'm not sure that the dud rate on licensed games is much, if at all, higher than the overall 
dud rate. I mean, if 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 the licensed games you're talking about are like slap a license on Monopoly or Risk or something, okay. But well, yes, but that's cheating. So <laughs> yeah, did you did you see that they're? I don't know. Not that it's going to be a Gen Con. Did you see that they are releasing a Warhammer 40k Monopoly? <laughs> I, I just really want that that version of Monopoly you have to assemble and paint yourself. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah, uh, Titan Legion. I put a hotel on Titan Legions. Come visit. I don't know. <laughs> and of course, we'll yeah. We'll, we both have our role playing things. We both have our other game things. We'll both do some uh, L5R Legend of the Five Rings, the card game. But we're going to organize most of the rest of this episode sort of around our top 10 anticipated games for Gen Con. Gen Con is, is obviously a, with, within North America, it is by far the largest place to see new release games. Many of those are for sale for the first time. They're for sale before they're available elsewhere. Although, I mean, some of them like Fantasy Flight have been doing releases where like it premieres at Gen Con and then the store can sell it the next day kind of thing to try not to cut out the the retailer so if it's a fantasy flight thing you might be able to get it right at the retailer that's probably not the case for many of the others a few of these are still demos i try to skew my list towards things that could be bought rather than just demoed but definitely still some demos on there and so we're going to kind of shape this around like hey here are here's each of our top 10 the new things to check out at Gen Con 2018. Was there anything else? But but was there anything else you wanted to shout out about Gen Con 2018 before we got onto the lists? I am excited to go. Bring it to me now. I've got my true dungeon tokens all ready and raring to go into the dungeon and die horribly. So yeah, <laughs> there's a the thing. Oh, it is the 25th anniversary of Magic: The Gathering, which premiered at Gen Con 25 years ago. So there are some Crazy. actual Wizards of the Coast run Magic the Gathering events at Gen Con this year, including, if you really want to, to, to go to town, some like multi-tiered tournament thing where you can compete in tournaments to get to play in like, the big final tournament, where I think the big final tournament is something like a draft with like beta packs or that kind of insanity. <laughs> yeah. I suggest leaving your deck. I suggest... Uh... As soon as you get your packs, just pick them up and run and <laughs> run over to the exhibitors halls and sell them. I suspect that they, they you actually do have to participate at that point. But besides, you mm-hmm. open the pack and you could open the pack and like, oh look, it's a mox. I think I'll rare draft it. Uh-huh. But I mean that would just be kind of awesome to do generally. It's been a while since I did magic outside of the dual deck sort of format, but and I'm not going to try to take the time to get it. I won. I wouldn't. I'd fail. Yes. But uh, the, the minuscule chance that I'd somehow succeed, which is beyond minuscule, would not be worth the, the time that it would consume, unfortunately, as, as cool as it would be to, to get on that final thing. But why don't you kick it off with your number 10 thing to look at at Gen Con? All right. All right. So, so my number 10 and my number 9 are slight cheats in that I will have played both of them before getting to Gen Con, or at least have them. So number 10 is called Get the MacGuffin, 
It's by Looney Labs. It'll be for sale there at Gen Con. So I've actually played this. Uh, one of the local stores, the the local store that I go to most regularly, had a demo copy, and I got to play it, and it's a lot of fun. So it it's Looney Labs, the people who made Flux. So one of the biggest problems, I, I love me some Flux, but one of the biggest problems I have with it is it's so RNG dependent that I have seen people win on the first action of the game. I have seen the game take an hour because no one can pull out a win. Yet the MacGuffin fixes that. You divvy out all of the cards and you're you're playing the cards as the same similar similar to Flux thing where you just play the cards for what they do. And the goal is to be the last one to still have cards. As soon as it's your turn and you cannot do an action, you are out. So most of the time everybody gets you know, you get towards the last end and everybody starts going out at the same time. It's a very fixed amount of time for the game instead of one turn or forever. Okay. My number 10, I'm going <clears> to <throat> kick off. You remember, that, you remember how we were talking about licensing? Mm-hmm. So my number 10 is Ruby Combat Ready. This is from Arcane Wonders. Uh, it is available for demo at Gen Con 2018, but it is not uh, It is not going to be for sale, to the best of my knowledge. And this is a cooperative game set in the Ruby anime. And so each player is one of the four team members, Ruby, Weiss, Blake, or Yang. And you are fighting uh, a variety of foes together. Each one of the girls, like, they take turns. Basically, one of them will be the feature combat like whoever the main guy is that the show is focusing on at that point in time, they're doing a, a big knockdown drag out fight with that person while the other three characters are are playing support roles or fighting off Grimm. And then when that feature combat ends, the next step up happens, the focus of the action shifts, and now it's going to be another one of the characters who's doing their feature match. But, I mean, honestly, the main thing was that it was Ruby, which... I don't get anime as much as I used to. I don't get into it. I don't have the time to like sort of search it out and find the best stuff as much and, and you know get stuff that really catches my fancy. But Ruby is one that recently did rise to the point of niftiness that even I noticed it. So Ruby Combat Ready from Arcane Wonders is my number 10. Yeah, I feel similarly about anime. I just do not have the time anymore. So if that's good, I might go check out that anime. Anyway, my number nine is Thornwatch by Lone Shark Games. So as I said, my nine and ten are a little bit cheats. My my nine is a cheat because it, it was a Kickstarter, so I've got a copy on my desk I need to get around to playing. But as far as non-Kickstarter backers that weekend of Gen Con is when it goes wide release. So Thornwatch is, it's a story playing game. If you're familiar with Penny Arcade, it is those guys were a a large part of the brains behind the game of the, the art and art style and the story and what have you. And again, if you've read the comic, they've featured the world of Thornwatch a few times now. 
But yeah, it's it's basically a you know one of these little mini D and D board game types where one person is playing. I want to say story master. I forget what term they called it. The the dungeon master and the others are individual party members fighting in against monsters that the the DM summons against them. And it's one that it looks really pretty because it's got they very much cared about the art. It looks like a comic book at some level. There's, you know, a board out, and it looks like pages of a comic book that you're moving around. So, yeah, that's exciting to me. Uh, Thornbot Watch by Lone Shark Games. They've been working that up for, for a bit. I think Lone Shark also has the a, a Numenera game that is yes in release, uh, wide release for the first time at Gen Con as well. So, my... Number nine is literally the only item that appears on both of our lists. So I am going to defer to let Jay talk about it later, which means I guess you get to take another turn for your number eight. Okay. Uh, So my number eight is called Expand City. I think that's how you want to pronounce it. By Breaking Games. This is one that, you know, just going through the list of things that are going to be announced, it piqued my interest. It's a tile-building game where you're building out a city, but it's it looks like it's 3D, so you put a tile out to the, be the city block, and then you start building skyscrapers on it. Also, Going through this, I'm looking through the mechanics involved and its action point, and I, I, I'm a I'm a fan of action point. That's one of the those things that grabs my interest. So you know, building out a city, working on points, and it it looks cool in the pictures they've got. So expand city by breaking games. Okay, my number eight is Newton from Simon Games. It is for sale at Gen Con, and. I will uh, grant that anytime you have like this science, like any kind of science theme, frankly, draws my interest a little bit more. And so just the title of Newton kind of pulls me in. It is It has deck or pool building elements, which also I, I like. And in this game, you are, you know, each, each of the players is a person trying to become a, a great scientist. Uh, every turn you you have a hand of five cards and you play those to activate the game's different actions. But how those actions work depends on the configuration of the board. And at the end of each turn, when you take your cards back to go into your deck, you leave one of them out, which will then, you will have less of an ability to take that action because it won't appear as often in your deck, but now it will be more powerful. And then as well as being able to just add different things into your deck to to take advantage of that. Definitely sounds in, uh, interesting to me a little bit more. There's that deck building, but it's a, a longer, more strategic game than your standard sort of deck builder. That's Newton from Simon. All right. Uh, so then that's going to be my seven. So my number seven is Highlander, the duel by B&B Games Studio. Looks like it's going to be for sale at Gen Con. I don't know a huge amount about this, but I'm okay with that. You had me at Highlander. A little bit embarrassing, but I'm going to admit this. In middle school and high school, I grew my hair out because of Duncan McCloud. Although I think this is based on the movie rather than the TV show. But yeah, it's a two-player 
competitive game where one of you is Connor McLeod, one of you is the Kurgan. You're drawing cards to try to attack each other and presumably cut off each other's head. Um, I hear that sound like Highlanders. Yeah. I feel like it's probably not like the old Highlander CCG, though I played that too, and that was pretty hilarious. So, anyway, that's Highlander the Duel by B&B Games Studio. Don't worry. I liked Duncan better than Connor, too. I think we all did. I think that's what happened in the fourth or fifth movie, or however many there were that I'm embarrassed to admit I've watched all of. I. Yeah. 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 I think that the best tactic is if somehow, if you're the sort of person who has not watched Highlander but someday might, like, just watch the first one and let. Don't. Just. Yeah. 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 The, The first one and done, you don't need any more Highlander movies. Yeah. Yeah. No. Just now. So my seven is uh, Coimbra from Egertspiele, and uh, this one is uh, a, a little bit of a different. Now I'm I'm letting this one in anyway, but Coimbra actually had a limited release at Origins, which we've seen a little bit more recently as Origin has kind of picked up from the sort of hole it had seemed like it had gotten itself into, and so you have some games that actually get a very limited release at Origins, you know, right before they get, you know, a more realistic release at at Gen Con. And, and Coimbra was one of those. This is a, a sort of dice, I think this is a dice drafting game. I found that there's been a lot of good new gameplay over the last few years with using dice for things other than just like I roll the die and this is what the effect is. Like you get a selection of dice and you, uh, and you maybe you draft them or maybe you assign them to different spots and they do different things or different effects. Well, Coimbra has dice that obviously have different numbers on the sides, but also the dice are different colors. And so when you're choosing these dice, you have to kind of think about both of those and where you pick it and where you put it. You know, you may need to pick this kind of die because it's this color because that earns you this kind of points at the end of the game. Oh, but man, that means you're going to have to be stuck with a lower number and figuring out what the best way to go is. Also, there's some sort of theme about the city of Coimbra and Portugal and prestige points and whatever. That is uh, uh, Coimbra from Spiela, and it is uh, at, for sale at Gen Con. All right, so my number six is, I think, the one that showed up on your list, too. This is 8-Bit Box by Yellow, if that's how you pronounce it that. I want to pronounce it Jello, but I know that's wrong. <laughs> that, that, that is indeed not how you pronounce that word. <laughs> <laughs> Looks like it's just going to be demoing at Gen Con, but I'm, I'm interested in checking it out. Firstly, because it looks like it's trying to be a nostalgia trip of 80s video games. They're very much pumping, looks like Pac-Man-esque type game, although it looks like it's also got a couple different options of games that are in there. Also piquing my interest, and again, looking at mechanics, mechanic that I like is programming, and so it looks like it's it does action programming where you, you know, you start your turn, you program out how your whole turn's going to go, you lock it in, and then chaos ensues, so... 8-Bit Box by Not Jello Yellow. (laughs) 
Uh, yes, that was my number nine, and that and Ruby are down at nine and ten in, in no small part because they are they're only available for demo, and that can be a little harder to get. And Ruby does have scheduled demos, but I, I don't know what the status of those is being available still. I don't think that 8BitBox does. It's probably one of those, like, you have to be at the yellow booth and wait your turn and get to try it. But yeah, this comes with three games in it. Like you mentioned, one is a Pac-Man game, Pac-Man style game. One is a, I think, like a racing game, think pole position. And one Mm -hmm. of them is like one of these Olympics kind of games where you've got the, like, track and field, basically. I don't know what their long-term plan for this is, but I it makes me curious if there's like some shared components and then you can get expansion things later or if they're entirely independent. We'll see how that goes. But yeah, definitely the the retro video game vibe. It reminds me of a game I still have on my shelf, which was the the Battle of Kemble's Cascade, which was, uh, you know, an old basically an old space shoot-em-up, uh, you know, scroll and shoot-em-up. But my number six is Maiden's Quest. This is from WizKids, and it is for sale at Gen Con. Have you ever read or heard of Princeless? I have not. Okay, so one might shorthand the theme of this game as as Princeless, the card game. You're like the princess in the dungeon or the princess in the tower, and you've gotten bored waiting to be rescued. So you're, you know, busting out <laughs> on your own. Nice. It is a sh- relatively short little card game, and you don't need a play surface, and you can literally sit there if you need to. It's going to be more convenient if you have a play surface, but you can literally sit there, like if you're standing in a line, and play the game in the solo mode by itself. It's got these like, the, the sort of mechanics where the cards have different symbols on them, and you, like, you'll flip up till you get like to a challenge card. Oh, and it's. And it tells you what you have to have on it. And you look at your the cards in your hand and see if there's anything that, that matches that or can accomplish things. And then you can you can upgrade your cards. And when you upgrade a card, you flip it upside down so you sort of see the left side. So when you're looking at your fan of cards in your hand, you don't have to worry about the half of a card that's buried behind the card in front of it because that doesn't exist anyway. <laughs> nice. That's clever. It's either the card you haven't upgraded to or you upgraded from i like the theme it's a very different sort of game right it's not just another i mean don't don't get me wrong i love some you know heavy strategic games out there on the table i love deck builders i have a lot of games in both of those milieus and so this one uh, has a, a different sort of play and a good theme and so that is maiden's quest from Wiz, Wiz Kids. yeah i'll, I'll take on that too you mentioned you can play it in line. Having been to many line cons, such as PAX, I definitely like things, the activities that can be done in line while you're waiting, especially as they start, you know, consolidating the line and crushing you together and standing room only. So That's a good point. So I need to rush in first thing on Thursday morning and buy this game and then send it back in time five hours to myself. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So I can play it in line yeah. to get into the. <laughs> yes. Precisely. That is exactly what I'm saying, Chris. That is the best use of your time, Turner. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so what's up next for you? 
So my number five is City of Gears by Gray Fox Games. Uh, this was another one that's just going to be a demo at Gen Con. Uh, this is, you can probably guess from the name, a steampunk-themed uh, worker placement game. You found this weird steampunk city, and you and your opponents are trying to take it over and get the resources out and get the most effect out of this otherwise ruined city. Again, it's a lot of mechanics that I like. It's worker placement, it's area control, it's building engines, just generally mechanics I like. So that was City of Gears by Gray Fox Games. All right. Number five on my list is My Little Scythe from Stonemire Games. This is for sale. And I am interested in this game. One, I like Scythe, right? But also, I, yeah. I like to play games with my kids. And so I like to find games that my kids can play, but I actually will enjoy myself playing. And so there's a number of, of games out there that uh, have this, like, My First Stone Age or, you know, Ticket to Ride First Journey. Or, and some of those I've had a, a lot of fun playing with my kids. Some of those, even though you can, like, my kids can, well, my older kid can, like, just barely get the normal game. It can still go more smoothly in the the littler version, the littler kids' version of the game. There's there tends to be less long range planning, say, right? Like, because if you're, you know, yeah. a heavy gamer, Ticket to Ride is not a a you know tough game. You know, that's what you know. It's a gateway game, but if you're seven, it can be a little bit more planning out for like all the different possible ways your route can go. And so if you switch to something like Ticket to Ride First Journey, like you've just got the one goal you're trying to complete, and then you complete that, and then they hand you another goal, that kind of thing. So my little scythe, you have two little characters going around on the board and trying to get stars for completing different actions, but now they're little animals and the mechanics are simplified, right? Because there's no way a kid could play scythe. No way. And Stonemeyer just has a really great track record. This game actually started out as a print and play that was sort of inspired by Scythe, and and Stonemeyer game ended up seeing it and liking it so much that they picked it up. It's designed by uh, Hobie and Vienna Chow. And that's My Little Scythe, uh, for sale at Gen Con from Stonemeyer Games. All right, so my number four is War Chest, which is by Alderac Entertainment Group. It should be for sale at Gen Con. This is a, they call it a bag-building game. So much like you'd have a deck-building game where you draft cards in and put them in your deck and then do stuff with them, this is you're drafting little tokens and you put them in the bag and then you pull them out of your bag to do stuff. Then it's what you're doing with it is sort of area control, warfare, uh, abstraction. I like deck building games. I'm interested to try out a different twist on it with the, the bag building over deck building. That was War Chest by Aldrich Entertainment Group. All right. With my number four, I'm going to enter, enter into the realm where I am one of those people where it's my fault that they make sequels. <laughs> oh god what vampire game is this 
Oh, no, they're, come on, that's higher on the list, dude. Oh, fair point. Fair uh. point. Um. <laughs> <laughs> My number four is X-Wing 2.0. This is the second edition of the X-Wing miniatures game. And, man, I could totally see myself having looked at this list and said, like, come on, whatever. It's the second edition of a game that you primarily play against your, like, in your basement against your seven-year-old. Come on. On the other hand, like, we do really have a lot of fun with it. It doesn't obsolete any of my existing ships. Hooray. Okay, proviso. It doesn't obsolete any of my existing ships so long as I spend, like, $250 buying conversion kits. Three of which I'm guessing will be available at Gen Con. You've got to buy a base set, and then you've got the three conversion packs that are available at the beginning because they're, they're like right now in X-Wing 1.0, the Resistance and the Rebels are one faction, and then First Order and the Empire are one faction, and that's being split. So there's going to be... the It releases with an Empire and Scum and Villainy and Rebel conversion kits and basically so it's it's enough that i think if you had like three of every single one of that faction's expansions you will the conversion kit will cover you if you wanted to run like eight z-wings that's going to be a problem <laughs> my eight tie fighter list is going to need multiple conversion kits oh man yeah i other than other than tie fighters and x-wings i don't know if i have more than three of anything but I am excited to play this despite obviously like I'm very aware that, you know, there's like a money thing there. And one of the biggest things that they do with this and it's, it is weird, but cool is that they, there are no point values on cards anymore. So one of the things that has happened with X-Wing over the years, that is kind of a pain for me to keep track of and deal with in the, I'm playing with a kid is that, there are piles of cards that have gotten errated all over the place. You know, I've, I've heard people joke that basically the stuff that you buy is just a proxy for whatever it is that the card actually does. Uh, it's funny because it's true. Yes, yes. So one of the things that they're doing with this is that there are no point values on cards anymore. You have to have an app to to make a list. People who don't like that, but I've gotten over that and whatever. And what that actually lets them do is that they can use the app to change the point value of cards. If it turns out that a card is way too good, a ship isn't as good, they can just change the point values. They kind of do that anyway because you have things where like, oh, it turns out that A-Wings stink. So then they release a, a a modification card that you can put on the A-Wing that gives you, like, a benefit and is also minus two points. Yeah. Which basically is just reducing the point cost of every A-Wing ever by two. Now you can just directly, they can just directly go into app and they can just change the point values of cards to liven things up. You know, you can do the thing, like, you just tell it which expansions you have and then it will know the universe of cards and, and upgrades and chips that you have to build your your thing out of. There's a more like rote way of doing it as well with like here are some basic lists. But anyhow, X-Wing is still a really good game. It should, oh, and they're adding the Force too. Ah. So X-Wing 2.0, my number force. four. Use the Force, Chris. 
it turns out that they videotape a lot of the tournament games. So if you use the force to scoot your ship ship along, you're probably going to get busted <laughs> for cheating. Just FYI. Probably. And then investigated by some government agency on how they can use that for their purposes. But anyhow, you're number three. Right. My number three is the only expansion I have on this list. So it's Whistle Stop Rocky Mountains expansion by Bezier Games. Looks like it'll be on sale there. Uh, Though if it's like the original Whistle Stop last year, it'll probably sell out pretty quick. And yeah, this is an expansion for Whistle Stop. Last year we talked about Whistle Stop. I got a copy. I played it. I really liked it. It looks like, you know, in typical expansion expansions, this is adding and enhancing what you do. So the Whistle Stop board previously was a very modular thing where you just, as you go out, you build out the, the train tiles This is adding the Rocky Mountains just sort of in the middle of it that now you have to build your trains to get past the Rockies as well as, you know, a bunch of other little additions, adding some resources, some some options, different stuff like that. But I liked Whistle Stop enough. I would like to have an expansion for it. Uh, I like the game. So that is Whistle Stop Rocky Mountains expansion by Bezier Games. Okay. My, yeah. Expansions I also tend to to downgrade a little bit because it like, yeah, it's kind of sad. Like, what are things that I'm absolutely guaranteed to buy that are coming out of Gen Con? Like DC Comics deck building game Crisis Expansion Pack 4? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, nobody wants to hear about that, right? All right. So my, my number three is... The Legend of the Five Rings role-playing game, 5th edition. Like I said, blame me for the sequels. (laughs) So Fantasy Flight acquired the entirety of the Legend of the Five Rings IP that started off last year with Legend of the Five Rings, the card game. They also had Battle for Rokugan, a a normal old board game. And they've been working on the 5th edition of the Legend of the Five Rings role-playing game. Now again, Fantasy Flight has not announced exactly what will be available, but I... They're running demos of this, you know, like significant demos of this, not just a couple of tables, like scheduled ticketed demos of of the role-playing game. And so even if they don't have the actual core book, I don't know. I I feel like they will. I'm probably wrong about that. But then they could also have the the beginner game. And I think that they were going to have, I think they will at least have the beginner game, if not both of them. If they have both of them, I'll tell you, I'll buy both of them. Because I need to buy the dice anyway. Okay, I don't need to buy the dice, but yeah. come on. I mean, I, I am the sucker. Um, That's why they, they do the funny dice, so that I buy the funny dice. Yeah, buy like two sets of the funny dice, so that yeah. you have plenty to, you don't have to re-roll. Oh yeah, no, they, they're they're great about that. The uh, Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. The, the, yeah. the beginner set, like one, it uh, in addition to the purpose of a beginner set, like right, if I, if I have the D&D 5th edition starter set i have the pathfinder beginner box for that sort of thing it comes with all the dice too but come on it's not like i actually need more eight-sided dice i'm i'm good mm-hmm. yeah whereas i actually will need the dice through the beginner box so it, that, that actually gives it a little extra value yes but yes and another pack of the dice because that that's not going to be enough no never is so legend of the five rings the role-playing game it's got some elements 
that are reminiscent of the the narrative system that they used in Star Wars, and now they have their generic version of it. Although L5R is not, it's got elements of that, but L5R is not that. That was what I was originally guessing they were going to do, was like Legend of the Five Rings would be a setting book for that. It's its own separate standalone game. It pulls some elements in from the roll and keep system that L5R, the role-playing game, has been for all these years. And it also uh, introduces some completely new things. And I, the one particular thing that I, I think that it's interesting that they're doing with it is that your your primary stats are just flat out what is your ring, right? It's the Legend of the Five Rings and how you are doing. It's not like, oh, I'm doing an attack and that's a strength-based action. It is a, I'm doing an aggressive attack, so it's a fire action. I'm doing a defensive, you know, or a sneaky attack, or, you know, the, the way that your character is approaching the action changes what ring it is that you are bringing to bear rather than it just being this, you know, every time you swing a sword, it's the same stat. Every time you write a poem, it's the same stat. You know, every time you try to spot something, it's the same stat. So I'm really looking forward to that. That is the Legend of the Five Rings role-playing game, fifth edition from Fantasy Flight Games for sale? Question mark? <laughs> Hopefully, yes. All right, so what are we at? My number two? Number two. My number two is called Spy Master by Calliope Games. Uh, sadly, it looks like this is just demoing there, but it looks pretty cool to me. I mean, it, it's scratching a lot of itches that I like. It's spy-themed. There's some amount of, of deduction going on. You're all spy masters trying to control your spies out in the field. You do that. There's cards that are used to control the board and move meeples around. And you're just trying to try to be the best spy agency and get your bond on. Because it's demoing. There's not a huge amount of information, but I definitely want at least check out that demo and see if that's something because it looks it looks like the type of thing that will appeal to me. So that's Spy Master by Calliope Games. Okay. My number two. I believe you said something about vampires earlier. Yep. Jay? <laughs> yep. Yep. Cause because I know you well. <laughs> and as I said, this is the uh this is the year of the role playing game for me. And uh so my number two is Vampire the Masquerade, 5th edition. It's kind of terrifying to think about how let's long in the tooth Vampire yeah. is at this point, although still not you know, Dungeons and Dragons level. But man, I have, I oh, have Chris, on I'm my shelf... You. I be- you, sorry? I'm going to correct you real quick. I believe the correct term is long in the fang. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, continue. long in the tooth. I thought was punny enough. I I thought that was enough for you, Jay. I'm I'm trying here, nope, man. Nope, go all the way. Uh, Got to get it all that way. Yeah, so I think it could be said mildly. I have a lot of vampire, the masquerade stuff. I mean, I like I like vampire stuff generally. I think I've just now recently officially completely filled up five by five IKEA cube shelf. <laughs> nice playing game books and. One column of that, one of the five columns, is 
modern vampire. That includes Vampire the Requiem, which is not one of the five editions. But still, that's probably like three and a half cubes of Vampire the Masquerade. I love Vampire the Masquerade. And yet it's still only my number two, which is saying something. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I know. So um, this game is, it can be pre-ordered now. Like it's, this is, it's not Onyx Path anymore, I don't think. Or maybe it is. You know what? I can never keep it straight. But the distribution is, I believe it is a White Wolf Publishing, but distributed by Modifia. It will be for sale physically at Gen Con. You can pre-order it, pre-order it now through July 26th. Now, I have to admit, I'm probably not actually going to get it at Gen Con because I'm currently inclined to think that I'm going to pre-order the like three-book slipcase edition that comes with the core <laughs> book and then the Camarilla setting book and the Anarch setting book. And because the two supplements are not coming out with the core book, that means that I would not physically have the core book right away i'd have to to make do with the pdf you'd revised edition and i think fourth edition fourth edition is basically v20 the the 20th anniversary edition they did which was kind of a perfection of the revised edition system there's more of a change up in vampire fifth edition i got to play an early version of this back at pax unplugged last year it is set in the same world it's still vampire the masquerade it's continuing the meta plot that was going on there, which was always something that I loved and which ceased to exist when they had gone to Vampire the Requiem. I just, I love Vampire the Masquerade. It's a new version of it. It is a version that is actually like going to be pushed out through normal retail channels. Anyhow, been going on for long enough. My number two game, Vampire the Masquerade, fifth edition by White Wolf, distributed by Modifius for sale at Gen Con 2018. All right, so that brings us to my number one. So my number one is a game called Dinosaur Tea Party by Restoration Games. Should be for sale at Gen Con. This is a game where all of the players are dinosaurs having a very nice, very elegant tea party, but they seem to have forgotten who each other are. So the, the crux of the game is you are trying to use logic and reason to deduct who the other people at the table are. And so once you successfully guess who someone is, they change, they become somebody else, and you get a point. And so the first one to figure out some number of, like, I think it's like three or four of the other players at the table wins. So yeah, it's social deduction, it's memory, and it's got a great little theme on it. And so... For me, this feels like that type of light game that I like I like to use to to break up big heavy euro games or going back to cons, it seems like a perfect game for a, a wine while you're sitting there, you just have your one card that you know who you are to consult. So that is Dinosaur Tea Party by Restoration Games. Okay. So my number one game of Gen Con 2018 is the Pathfinder playtest. <laughs> and I'm going to apologize because I am aware that it, is, it, may, it may indeed be a pretty terrible thing from a recommendation point of view to say that the number one thing to check out is a demo version of a game that you, you know, have to buy the real game probably in 2019 at Gen Con. 
On the other hand, it really is the single thing that I am most excited about most excited about at Gen Con 2019, at Gen Con 2018, maybe 2019 as well, <laughs> but at Gen Con Probably. 2018. So you know what? I'm making it number one anyway. So uh, speaking of sequels, right? Like I, I've got the fifth edition of L5R RPG, the fifth edition of Vampire Masquerade, and like the second edition of the perfection of the third edition of the granddaddy of them all. <laughs> but I have been really pumped about Pathfinder and Starfinder over the last year and it's something that i've gotten to play more often in a way that is not the case for like vampire which is why like if i was in like a regular vampire game or something that'd probably be number one but you know and like he says this is a playtest and they're they're releasing there's a playtest you can buy the playtest book i don't know if you have to have pre-ordered it, but there's the playtest book there's a playtest a set of playtest adventures and that's in addition to some specific pathfinder society playtest that you can get you know through the normal pathfinder society channels i heck I've, i i even pre-ordered the the uh the flip mat that goes with the adventures <laughs> <laughs> look pathfinder is great probably most people who are listening to this uh, even if you were not wildly aware of pathfinder before that like you've certainly heard me you know if you if you listen to me talk about gen con in the last few years you've heard me talk about pathfinder but right pathfinder sort of arose out of the D&D 3rd edition and it's just great. I mean, Paizo does their own unique things with it. The world of Galarian is great. They started out with and continue to produce just amazing adventures. Things like Rise of the Rune Lords and Curse of the Crimson Throne are some of the best fantasy role-playing game adventures ever published, I think. And Right there's there's going to be what I'm assuming is this yearish long you know further public playtest and refinement of Pathfinder and I am super pumped to play this temporary edition of a really awesome game. So my number one most anticipated uh, release of Gen Con 2018 is the Pathfinder 2.0 playtest. There you go. Like I said. Blame me for the sequels. I will. I will. We'll be back here in 10 years talking about, you know, Vampire 6th and L5R 7th and Pathfinder 3rd and something like that. But because it has been a good 10 years now, I think, since since the original Pathfinder. So they're not churning through editions or anything. No, that does sound about right. So you've heard now, those are the things that Jay and I, looking through all the information, have. We've singled out the most, but... Jay mentioned the list earlier. On the board and card game front, there is no more comprehensive a source for information about what is coming out at Gen Con than Board Game Geek. So if you have not already gone and visited it and looked at all 600 entries or whatever it's up to now, yeah, on BoardGameGeek.com, there is a Gen Con preview section. You can sort it by publisher. You can sort it by how many other people have thumbed it and you know what's hot and therefore what's hottest anything that's a non fantasy flight board or card game that we mentioned is surely mentioned along there along with with many others it is well worth checking out if you want to to take that deep dive into what is going on at Gen Con or if you know you're tired of listening to me talk about vampires you know, whatever <laughs> so we're gearing up for Gen Con. We hope you're gearing up for Gen Con. 
Gen Con's a little extra exciting for us, honestly, now. I don't know about you, Jay, since since Jay and I don't live in the same city anymore, mm. these cons actually become a a little niftier because it's a place where I get to, to see Jay in person. So yeah. I'm looking forward to getting to see Jay and some other folks I don't see all the time. Yeah, exactly. Lots of people that, you know, con friends, I don't see them anywhere other than cons now that I'm on the other side of the country. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we'll do that. All right. But hey, uh, feel free to say hi if you stumble upon one of us at Gen Con 2018. We'd be happy to talk to anybody. But uh, until then, you have been listening to Strange Assembly, your tabletop gaming podcast. You can find us on the web at www.strangeassembly.com. You can subscribe to the podcast there through iTunes, through the Apple Podcast app, through the Google Play Music Store, Stitcher, all sorts of things. Do please leave us a rating or review if you like the show because that helps other people find us as well. We're on the usual social media, or at least some of them. So we're at Strange Assembly on Twitter, and we are facebook.com slash strangeassembly. I also do always like to hear from our listeners, hear your comments, your feedback. So if you're not going to be running into us in person at Gen Con, feel free to drop us a line. I'm Chris at strangeassembly.com. Jay is Jay at strangeassembly.com. But until then, for Jay Earl, I'm Chris Stevenson, and this is Strange Assembly. Never stop gaming. Luke, use the force, Luke. It will let you re-roll some of your attack dice to maybe take down that TIE fighter you're shooting at. (laughs) And then maybe if you're lucky, you'll get a a force pit back. (laughs) Yes. They just wanted to make another kind of token, I think. The, The FFG does love their tokens. (laughs) <laughs> I, I seriously, I realized this the other day. I cannot think of a game that I've bought from FFG that did not have one of a dial of some sort or some way that had, you know, the two little black things that you stick, pull apart and stick together to make a ah. dial or a connector or something. They, they do like, I don't, who else uses dials? I mean, yeah. there's other games that have lots of tokens, but who else uses dials? Seriously. They're like, we've got this, we've got this mold for these dials, guys. We gotta use it. <laughs> yeah.